0: Overeem is still a badass. In Sakai was playing grab ass with the fire selection and the fire deflection. This is fighting with myself. oh, oh, oh. fighting with myself. Oh, oh oh, yeah. Welcome back to the Fighting With Myself podcast, the podcast for the above average MMA fan, hosted by an above average man. And I am that man. My name is Juice. And let's get started. Uh, I really missed the fuck out of you guys. I missed doing this podcast. Uh, I, I'll get to why I had to take last week off. But um, first, let me give you a rundown of, of what we got on tap for today. I'm going to recap UFC on Vegas. 180,000. By that I mean UFC Vegas 9 Overing versus Sakai. Um, going to go over just a few news items not much and we got a we got a nice forum Plus we'll preview next week's fight so let's get started the stories from this card were the fights lost in my opinion uh, at least that's the the first major story uh we were supposed to get macy chasson versus sejar eubanks and that fell out um we were supposed to. Sejara Eubanks was supposed to stay on the card and fight Carol Rosa. That fell through as well. Um, we also lost Chago Moisés versus Jalen Turner. I was super looking forward to that fight. Jalen Turner is like six six, fighting a lightweight. Chago Moisés is a beast of a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu practitioner. He was going to take home one of those limbs. I know it. Um, I like Jalen Turner, so that's not uh, not hating. I just really like Chago Moisés. Um Thiago um, tested positive for coronavirus, or one of his cornermen did, I believe. Um Either way, uh, there was a positive corona test involved. Also, Marcos Rogero de Lima was, was supposed to take an Alexander Romanov, and that fell through at the 11th hour. Marcos and Thiago are both teammates. They will train American top team. So, for me, that makes you super worried for any uh, fighter fighting out of ATT that's scheduled to fight uh, coming up. Very suspect. This is the fucking problem with having fights in the middle of a pandemic. This shit is going to happen. And in my opinion, the writing is on the wall. The writing is on the wall for more of this to happen. It's the the more it happens, the more it happens. There's no way around it. You know, it's going to keep happening unless they do everything under a bubble and really, really isolate the fuck out of everybody, they're not going to squash this thing. They're only uh, furthering it, in my opinion, but it is what it is. I won't get on too much of a soapbox about that. You guys have already heard me shout it out from the mountaintops about that. We also lost Julia Avila and Nico Montaña. That, that fell a couple weeks ago. Um, most of the ones I just mentioned, if not all of them were like during fight week. Um, I think, well, I think Macy um, maybe got injured uh, a couple weeks ago. But this sucks, man. I was really looking forward to all those fights, and uh, we lost them. Luckily, um, Julia Avila got rebooked, um, so that's awesome. Um, Hopefully, Nico Montano is healthy. Brian Kelleher almost was off this card as well. He's supposed to fight Ricky Simone. Um, Ricky Simone's cornerman tested positive. That's the one with the cornerman test. My bad. I, I'm pr- 90% sure Thiago and Marcos were um, the ones that tested positive. It wasn't their their corners. Um, but hey, their fucking corners probably will test positive if they're around them. You see what I'm saying? But uh, Ricky Simone's cornerman tested positive and there was no way that um, he was going to be able to be on the card. So they signed a newcomer, Kevin Natividad, who was going to step up and then um, to undisclosed reasons, he had to pull out, I think, after the weigh-ins. And <laughs> God bless whoever, like management team, matchmakers, um, anyone that was involved in this happening. They signed also Ray Rodriguez. Uh, Brian Killer got the news like late the, uh, Friday night, late the night before the fight, uh, that he was going to face Ray Rodriguez. So kudos to both of them for accepting the fight on less than 24 hours notice. And we got a beautiful guillotine finish. Uh, I, I'm going to kind of recap most of the fight since there are only seven of them. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But um that guillotine from Brian Keller was slick as fuck. Obviously like the, I, I think the commentary was like, Oh, if you're facing Brian Keller, you have to know that that's one of his, his best moves and you don't shoot on in on him that early when, when you're both dry and you can't slide out of it. I was like, Hey man, this guy was fighting on less than twenty four hours' notice. You think he had time to like study Brian Kelleher? Um, He's just fighting on instinct. So uh, kudos to Brian Kelleher. That guillotine is fucking nasty. He and I'm a massive Brian Kelleher fan. I love his interviews. I love his personality. He's a way better rapper than Tyron Woodley. <laughs> he can sing his fucking ass off as well, and fight his fucking ass off. But um, he said, "Yeah, me and Pedro Munoz, the the, be- the best guillotines in the division." I'm like, bro, Pedro Munoz is light years ahead of you on the ground. Like there's no fucking way around it. <laughs> and I love Brian Kelleher. Um, he's from, from Long Island. I, I tried to make a tweet. Um, if you're in Long Island, you say on Long Island, you don't say I'm in Long Island, like anywhere the fuck else in the world, in the world, you say like, Oh, I'm in Vegas right now. I'm in uh, LA. I'm in New Jersey. They say I'm on Long Island. Cause it's an Island and you're on it. I don't know. That's also like, um, like New Yorkers and even um, most people in New Jersey as well, instead of saying they're in line for something, they say I'm online, which is like um, a callback to Ellis Island when they literally had to stand online. So they say like, you, you got to get online. It's like a whole thing. Um, so shout out to, to Brian Keller for that amazing guillotine. Loved that. Um, there were, there were qu- like a fair amount of finishes, which made the card, like the pacing was so off last night. Like they already had so many fights fall through that. They only had like, what was it? Two prelims. I think it was just two prelims, Um, and then they had the main card. Or maybe it was one prelim and six fucking fights in the main card. Who knows, dude? (laughs) Shit was all off kilter last night. Um, But uh, I I do want to shout out um, Viviani Araujo. She looked phenomenal, dude. And all heart from Montana De La Rosa. Uh, Montana De La Rosa, and I don't don't think I tweeted this out because I decided it would be like a little bit too fucking uh I don't know wild or whatever, but I was gonna say, like, I imagine every time Montana de la Rosa fights, um she turns to her husband like right before and says, watch how it's done. Because <laughs> she seems to have much more success than him. And I I felt bad saying that. So I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't fucking tweet that, but um shout-a uh, shout out to Montana de la Rosa. She looked like she was in a fucking five-round war with Tony Ferguson, like do you remember that meme that slash I think maybe even the UFC posted it um that was like the last seven of Tony Ferguson's opponents it was like Kevin Lee and Lando Venata and fucking uh Anthony Pettis it was just showing everyone's with their face just absolutely fucking butchered from Tony Ferguson's elbows and knees and and jab and all the fucking like Montana Rosa's face was rearranged I was like Dude, and the fact that I think it was in the third round when she was looking that fucking pieced up, I mean, she was pieced up. She then like puts her hands out, like, What? What, bitch? What do you got? And I was like, Oh, dude, I got so hype. I don't usually follow the bonuses because I feel like they, um, it's like such a popularity contest. It's so political, but they should have got Fight of the Night. They should have got some sort of under the table bonus for that shit. Like, kudos. And I tweeted this out. I said, This may be my worst take ever. It may be anyone's worst take ever. I want to see, and I'm not saying right now, I'm not saying she deserves a title shot right now, but I want to see Viviani Araujo versus Valentina Shevchenko. Call me crazy. I'm not saying she beats her. No, 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 no. I'm not saying she beats her, but uh, that will be a fun ass fight. She's going to come forward. They're going to have a striking contest. Uh, Valentina probably is going to take her down. I mean, she can probably handle her on the feet as well, but uh, she always looks for the cleanest path to victory. And I feel like she'd probably just take her to the ground. So, um, we haven't really seen uh, Viviani Aruja on the ground yet. So that, w- that would just be super interesting to me. And I love that fight. Um, I love how, how emotional she was in the post-fight interview as well. I love a good emotional post-fight interview. Like, I'm a sucker for that. And I want to say, um, why are there not more MMA fighters nicknamed the Butcher? I mean, seriously. Like, there's... Like fifteen hundred different pit bulls. I mean Bartos Fabinski, Bartos the Butcher Fabinski. I and I've seen this guy fight before. I just kind of forgot his nickname was the Butcher, and I just like was looking at him, looking at how badass he was. They played the package of him uh beating Darren Stewart, and I was just like, yes, like this guy's gonna fucking do work. The Butcher. It's badass. And then he gets caught in an armbar by Andre Mooney. So shout out to Andre Mooney's for that. Um, that really tight armbar. Actually, from the angle they showed it at, I was super confused. I was like, why are they stopping the fight? I couldn't see that he locked at the armbar. I couldn't see the tap. And then they replayed. I was like, oh, yeah, that was slick as fuck. So uh, beautiful work on the ground from Andre Mooney's. And sorry to say, expected more from the butcher. But yeah, there's so many like there's so many pit bulls. I feel like there's a bunch of other nicknames that repeat that I'm just not thinking of. Like, isn't the Mexicutioner a couple of, like like Joey Beltran? I feel like there's someone else who also has that nickname. Oh, it's James Vick has the Texicutioner. Ugh. Um. But yeah, um, love that. And then here's the thing, guys, Michelle Pajera is a violence God. And I'm going to need y'all to start appreciating him. The fights that this guy puts on, win or lose, like the Tristan Conley fight, everyone was like clowning him because he was doing all the flipping and he fucking gassed and he lost to that guy. But he was entertaining the fuck out of us, even in a loss. Like the guy is super, super entertaining. The fact that he had so many marks from cupping I couldn't stop laughing, like me and Yugi were just like laughing about it all night. The fucking he had him on his shoulders. I've never seen that. It's usually on the back, if anything, and then sometimes on your like abs or whatever, but like it, it was so, so funny, dude. um, but Michelle Pora looked composed as fuck, and I don't know if this was like like his loss to was Diego Sanchez his last fight? I think it was um. Like, did that sort of humble him? Obviously, it was like a weird bullshit DQ, and uh, Diego Sanchez was doing the fucking Joshua Fabia shit um, and definitely took advantage of the rules there. Like, fucking, I'll still never forget that, Diego. Especially after calling Darren Till a pussy. Like, fuck you, Diego Sanchez. But um, Michelle Pajeda was showing his skills uh, against uh, Amadayev. Bro. Big fan of Michelle Pajeda. Even the call of Masvidal, like I, I kind of clowned him for it initially. I was like, I take care of everything I said, sit the fuck down. But hey, like, I think it was Tev that tweeted this. He's like, it's just proof that he does not exist in the same realm as us or whatever. <laughs> like, it's just on a fucking different, his mind thinks differently. He's like, I want the BMF belt. Masvidal, i coming for you or whatever the fuck. Like, yeah, it's not like ranking wise. It would be fucking terrible. Is Masvidal still like number, isn't he number three or number two? Um, No, I think it's Gilbert Burns one, Colby two, Jorge three in terms of welterweight rankings. Um, I could be wrong, but he's definitely a a high ranked welterweight top five at least. And my man is unranked being like, yeah, I want to fight you. Like, no, but hey, would love to see it. 10 out of 10 would watch. You you tell me Jorge Masvidal and fucking Michel Pojeda are going to get in the cage. Uh, Probably would be a main event since Jorge is a headliner now. At least a co-main, maybe on a stacked pay-per-view. I'm watching the fuck out of that, dude. So i love to see it. And uh, sorry for for all the haters. Slow SP is here to stay. Fuck what you heard. (laughs) Like, (laughs) OSP... I don't normally call him slow sp. This is the first time I've ever called him that. But he looked really slow. Or I couldn't tell if it was that or just Alonzo Menafield was super fast and explosive because that's kind of how he is. You know, maybe both are true. I'm not sure. But uh he was definitely the more composed fighter. Like I, I would say he was in control, in control of that fight pretty much the whole time. So um beautiful stoppage there. I love how he um I did the Wakanda forever in his uh, little celebration. We're going to get to that later, actually. But man, I really, I really loved uh, seeing OSP get a win. There's some people that say he's super inconsistent, which is fair. But I don't fucking watch MMA for consistency or winning records or any of that bullshit. Like, you know who else is super consistent? Alex Caceres, Bruce Leroy. You know who I love? Bruce Leroy. Fuck yeah, dude. Love that guy. They put on uh, performances every time. They put on a hell of a performance every time. So I really want to see uh, OSP fucking continue to do work in the heavyweight division, especially now that John Jones is out. I'm not saying he should get a title shot, but the the, the fucking the path to to the top is there for him. You know? The, the, light heavy, the light heavyweight division is pretty shallow. He's fought a lot of those guys, except for the ones at the top. And I would just, I would love to see him fucking get up there. You, you telling me fucking um, OSP versus Thiago Santos isn't a fun ass fight? I mean, we're my favorite Thiago in that, but that doesn't mean it's it's not a fun fight to watch. You know, and he did he did um, go five rounds with John Jones um, with a broken arm for like either three or four of those rounds. I can't remember. I think he broke it in the second round, but I wasn't sure how late in the second round. Um, so yeah, maybe three and a half rounds. Um, he had a broken arm in there and still went the distance with John Jones. Granted, it was short notice and he was coming off a suspension. So he, he didn't have his little, uh, trip to the candy shop to help him out. But you know, that's just a, that's just a conspiracy. I'm on my bullshit again. Uh, and the ream still got it, baby. The ream still got it. Gotta say, I was super worried. Um, Not initially. Like I was like, okay, this is gonna be back and forth. Like I'm not super impressed with Augusto Sakai, but he brought it. He brought it last night against uh, Overeem. I guess it's it goes to show you, um, you know, when 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 a fighter gets to step up in competition, sometimes they choke and sometimes they rise to the occasion. And at least initially, Augusto Sakai rose to the occasion. Now he obviously didn't rise enough to get the job done. You know, Overeem still uh, got the better of him, but. He was uh, going uh, pretty hard at him initially, and I gotta say, the fucking fence grabbing bullshit—that's kind of where my intro came from. When I when I said grab, I said it was just really to make the rhyme work. It, he was fucking grab fence, but that's not—that doesn't sound cool, and nor does it rhyme. But dude, the fucking the he was clinging to the fence for dear life against Blagoy. and then in this one, he was in the clinch like fucking grabbing onto the, the shit. That's why Overeem was getting that um I don't know if it was a single or a double leg. I think DC was saying single for one of them, but the, the second time it looked like a double leg to me, so maybe it was both. Um he was grabbing and then sitting back and and then and like sweeping him rather than like driving through, which I think was like strategic on his part. Really, really interesting takedown. Overeem is one of the most underrated grapplers in the heavyweight division. Like we all tout him as a kickboxer and he certainly is But that guillotine and pride was like legendary. Um, And I don't throw out that word lightly. I remember Boss Rudin telling a story on Joe Rogan's podcast back when it was still good. Um, Yeah, that was shade. And um, saying that he, since they're both from Holland, he had Overeem kind of over to to help teach a seminar. Or he was, Boss was teaching a seminar and Overeem was there and he asked if they would show him the guillotine. And he was like, "Oh, well, let me, um, let me feel it so that I know what you're teaching." And Overeem put the guillotine on boss, and he was like saying how he like tapped right away. He was saying it like because his arms are so long, and this is also I think this was maybe back when Overeem was still fighting at 205. I'm not sure, but um, it was almost like a blood choke as well, and um, just a super interesting uh, setup the way he has for it. He was. Fucking smashing Augustus Sakai's face in with those elbows. And, you know, if he hadn't gotten the stoppage. Like, first of all, it was almost over at the end of the fourth round. Augustus Sakai just like laid there and kind of sat up a little bit, almost like he thought maybe the ref stopped it. And they're like, no, no you got to go back to your corner. Um, Craziness. And then he, when he went out there, he was on wobbly legs. I was like, "Oh, this motherfucker is over." Reem smelled blood, took him down, smashed him again, got the stoppage. But my God, that was some beautiful violence. I don't know if he just won the first two rounds. What I was saying is, as far as rising to the occasion, they played the package as well, and they were saying how he thought, you know, his Kurichiba Muay Thai was going to be better than um, Dutch kickboxing. Eh-eh. You don't get into a clinch battle with Overeem. Like, I was like, oh, oh, they're trading knees now? Like, Augusta guy thinks he got knees. The Reem has fucking knees, dude. Um, And to be honest, Overeem is like one of those guys that he's an anomaly to me. Like, the man has been knocked out 19 times. I say that every time, and it feels like that's not even accurate. Like, the number keeps growing. Um, and this is of course including MMA and kickboxing. Maybe it's twenty by now. I don't know. But he seems to have all his faculties about him. Like if that's happened in in competition, and I'm not saying like guys get knocked out in practice often, because generally there's at least some gym etiquette and people take it. Uh, you know, they don't go as hard. But I gotta th- I gotta think it's happened at least one or two other times in practice. Even maybe by a slam. Like how is he? And he speaks three languages, by the way. So how does he have, like, more mental fortitude than most of the heavyweight division? Maybe it's just because of the fact that he's been going so long. It's wild to me. But the guy's talked about he has, like, you know, three or four fights left, and uh, he wants to make another run at the title. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I want to see it. Give him some, like cherry-picked fights so that we can make the last fight of his career, the Stipe rematch, or whomever is the champion at that time. Oh, God, if it's the Francis rematch, oh, God, that shit was scary. No, I take back what I said. Only if it's the Stipe rematch. <laughs> make that for the fucking, you know, even if Stipe's not champ by that time, make his rematch with Stipe his final fight. Um, That would be just a storybook ending. I really love that. So that was UFC Vegas nine. I would say there's not a ton to talk about, but I wanted to, to recap those fights. I've been trying to go over just sort of the stories of each fight card, um, but there wasn't a lot other than the fights that fell out. And I didn't just want to get on a soapbox about Corona for 20 minutes, even though let's be fair. You know, I think we're getting a little complacent and not just with UFC and MMA um, and sports, because most other sports are back although I certainly am referring to the UFC when I say this because there just have just been so many cards. I mean in the public as well, like things are reopening and in my opinion, way too quickly. Like I just moved to um, a new place, which I'm going to get to in a minute. Um, Like 15, 20 minutes away from my old place. It wasn't like craziness, but it's a completely different part of town. And there's a farmer's market that is uh, open on Saturdays. That we went to and there were people there, like some of them not wearing masks. I'm like, bro, put a fucking mask on. And even one of the vendors initially, when I went by their table, they had it underneath their nose. Hey, if you don't put your mask over your nose, also, you might as well be not wearing one and you might as well be saying, fuck you. And they were selling food. I was like, bro, this is not it this is not it but um again i don't want to get too deep into that but i just i do i do i think it needs to still be part of the conversation we have to remember that we are in the midst of a pandemic just because there have been so many fights and we've been so lucky that um these amazing men and women are putting their i always say that they're putting their lives in line because anything can happen on the fight but they're putting more than that on the line now It's their families' lives too, because they're at risk of exposure. They're getting, they're risking exposure and bringing that back to their families, their coaches. They're risking so much more now. But moving on from that, I wanted to just say a couple of things before I, um, before I wrap up this segment and that is, um, well, why I took off last week. Now, mental health has always been uh, a topic of of this podcast. It's always been a through line. Um, I'm very open about my struggles with it. And um, I think a lot of you assumed that that was the case of why I was gone last week. And that was only a small part. And really, Almost wasn't even really a factor. The main reason why I took off was because I was moving. Like I was just so busy. I knew I was going to be able to watch the fights. Um, Because it's a pandemic. Like the most of the times we moved, you know, it's been in LA when we had um, an amazing group of friends that would always come over. We'd have beer, you know, get a pizza, whatever, and we would move everything in one day. Well, this wasn't the case. Um, My wife's family helped us a lot. So I'm not um, by any means saying that we didn't have any help. They they helped a ton. Um, on one of the days but we had so much stuff to do and so much cleaning to do that it was like a four or five day process moving and um it's still craziness in the new place we haven't got um you know we haven't gotten settled but when I first took the break from Twitter i i realized like I needed to do it like the reason i didn't wasn't for my mental health but i the, like it was so beneficial that I was like, wow, I really need to do this. I'm going to stay away. And, um, had my first therapy session. Um, I haven't really talked about that cause it wasn't really on the horizon yet. The last time I recorded, but, um, started therapy finally. Um, which is oh, so helpful. And I like a lot of people, like a lot of my friends and stuff are like, Oh, I'm proud of you. And like, I really appreciate it, but, I don't feel that it was anything like courageous. Like I want it like that sort of thing should be normalized. Like, and I can remember John Jones saying this, um, when he lost his mother, um, tragically and had, and, and like relapsed and had to go to rehab and things like that. I mean, I, I remember he says he went to some rehab, but I don't know that it was necessarily for like substance abuse. So I, I shouldn't have said relapse, but, um, I think he said he, he was drinking a lot. He, he went to, he went to rehab and he's, he got therapy for the first time. And he said, I've realized that depression is for everyone and therapy is for everyone. And I thought that that was like a little bit much at the time. I was like, come on, like depression isn't for everyone. Like not everyone deals with this. It's a bitch. But the thing that he said about therapy is for everyone. It didn't really resonate until now. Like, it is not something that is just for people struggling like it just helps so much to uh to talk through like anything going on and just sort of have uh, like an impartial third party that you can talk to about anything you're dealing with so um never thought i'd say this but thank you john jones (laughs) even though that certainly wasn't the crux of my going but like i said he that he said that like, has always resonated with me in throughout this experience. And so, um, it's helped me a lot. And, uh, I'm not going to shout out my therapist. I did tell her that I do a podcast. I don't know if I said the name or anything, or if she's going to look it up. So if you're listening, hi. <laughs> but, uh, other than that, we're not going to talk about anything else that goes on in therapy, but, uh, you guys are definitely a part of my, my journey with that because this podcast has always been very therapeutic for me. Um, and like I said, mental health has always been a through line. Episode two of this podcast, I damn, near had a breakdown on fucking, uh, on, on record, on air, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's why I always say it's the worst episode of this podcast and no one should ever listen to it, which is true. This is not reverse psychology. Don't fucking listen to episode two of this podcast. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, that, uh, brings us to an end for the first segment. I want to now take a quick break. And let's get into some news. News. There isn't much to talk about this week. I mean, there are there are probably a ton of stories I missed. Um, but uh, one thing that jumped out at me that I really wanted to talk about, and uh, obviously because of, you know, I missed last week, this isn't exactly a new story. This is somewhat old news at this point. Um, the UFC purchased 10 acres of land Near uh, the UFC headquarters, so that they can build their own hotel and become completely self-sufficient. Now, on the surface, this sounds like a great idea. You know, it's done to promote health and safety. Obviously, you know, especially during the pandemic, to be able to get their own area, and and now whatever home, and, you know, hotel they're commandeering. You know, once the new hotel is built, of course, will become available to the public and not you know take away from you know Las Vegas's economy because you know growing up in Vegas I can tell you that tourism is like the number one enter- enterprise there that that keeps the city going and um you know without people being able to travel there and stay there you know I'm I'm sure they took a big hit so um this is good news however when you look into it further and think about it more the fact that they purchased that much land, not not to, not to mention whatever costs are going to be associated with building this hotel over fighter pay, we're goddamn ridiculous. Like The UFC can't make statements like, oh, we just can't afford to pay everybody when fights fall out. Oh, we just can't afford to, you know, bullshit. You just bought all this fucking money, and there, and 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 Dana's like, oh yeah, obviously, with what's going on, it's gonna quickly pay for itself. God damn it, you human thumb! So fucking tone deaf and disrespectful. If I was a fighter and I saw this news, I'd be saying, okay, so where's my bonus? Like, I would be wanting to renegotiate my contract immediately. Like, if they have this much fucking uh money. To, to be able to do that, the fighters need a piece of it, especially once it's over, like once it's over and they won't have a, a, extra costs, you know, associated with the building and things like that. And they are, as Dana White put it, completely self-sufficient. Like, I don't want to hear them say that they can't afford to pay fighters anymore. Like bull fucking shit, dude. I guess that's all I have on it. I just really wanted to bring it up in case anyone missed it or just to kind of give my thoughts on it because it really pisses me off that they're talking out of both sides of their mouth here. Like, both can't be true. You can't say we can't afford to pay fighters, you know, pay all the fighters when, you know, they're, like if a fight falls out and they can't find a replacement, you know, fight or or whatever. Yes, you can. You can't, you can't say that you can't say that you can't afford to pay the fighters when a fight falls out or, or, or pay them more in general. And then also buy 10 acres of land to build your own goddamn hotel. Like, wow. That's like, if I was, uh, you know, working at a job, I mean, obviously I am, but I'm not talking about my job. I'm just speaking generally. If I was working at a job and I asked for a raise, you know, based on my merits And the boss said, ah, well, I, you know, we just, we just can't afford you right now. And then they, they pay for a new extension on the building or I see the boss then pull up in a fucking brand new Ferrari. Like I'm going to be pissed dude. And rightly so. So I want to see these fighters collectively bargain. It's time they fucking get on the same page and start demanding more, especially right now. They have all the power. They have all the power. There's no crowds. There's no gate. Not a lot of people can fight right now because gyms are closed. I mean, yes, they are still signing new people and they're still having the fucking contender series and all that other bullshit. But look at what the um, NCAA college football did. They used that bargaining chip and they got themselves pay, and sponsors, and a cut of the TV revenue, they realize what the fuck they need to do. And and hey, we also haven't talked about this, and I'm not a, a sports ball fan, you guys know that. We need to give a round of applause for the NBA. Anyone involved, LeBron on down, who wouldn't fight, you know, so I think it started with the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know exactly how it went down. I don't follow that initially, but I I only heard about it because a lot of MMA reporters were talking about it. You know, who stopped fighting in protest of the shooting of Jacob Blake and got the owners of the teams to agree to open up their arenas to be polling places. Good fucking job, dude. They are single-handedly... Like taking this thing by the balls. If, if you're one of those people that says shut up and dribble, lose my fucking number. They are using their platform to enact real change. And that is more than commendable. So I love to see it. And moving on, I wanted to talk about something else that uh, is, is something very close to my heart. And um, I'm going to start. Uh, talking about pop culture sometimes in the new segment if there's anything of note that I think is worth talking about and uh, you know that's just going to be week by week it's not every week but I want to say rest in peace to Chadwick Bozeman, who was battling uh, colon cancer and uh, he lost that fight apparently this has been going on since 2013 or 14 so essentially all the like the entire time that uh he was playing black panther and that is really why i want to talk about it because marvel in general and and black panther additionally has uh has been a very strong influence on my life ever since i was little and specifically the the films and, and Chadwick playing Black Panther, I think it started with the uh, uh, the the Civil War, Captain America Civil War. That was his, I think that was his first appearance. He inspired so many uh, young children across the country, people of color, every, everybody. And um, you know his his presence will be missed. I could tell that he had just so, so much more to give so much more stories to tell. He was an incredible actor. Um, and I, I, just, I looked at his Instagram a while ago, you know, one of his last posts, he was, I mean, he was working on a, um, a Spike Lee movie that uh, called Five bloods and uh, about a, a Vietnam war. I don't know if battalion is the right word or um, squad patrol. Platoon. That's what I was looking for. Platoon. Um, I, I don't know the, exactly the, it's a it's a historical thing, but he was very proud of it, and he was also posting about Black Lives Matter in Hollywood and how the, Hollywood has to set the example for the rest of the world. And they wrote a letter to the guild, I believe, um, that he was a, a, very much a part of that movement, and we won't get to see like he he won't get to know how much his impact. Is, is felt and how much uh, Change he was able to create And that I think his death will Inspire so I, I Just wanted to uh, give a shout out This is one of those deaths that hit me really hard um, I have Kind of a, a morbid fascination With death and I, I I I really feel Certain deaths a lot You know Stan Lee I, That one was Really hard and this one was was right up there, and you know, seeing pictures of them together, it warms my heart, but it also breaks it because, you know, the legacy. His legacy won't won't get to to live on as much, but we we can continue it by continuing to share his message of of love, and um, yeah, I just want to say. Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. And that, my friends, brings us to a very sad ending to this segment. Sorry to end on this note, but let us now journey into the forum. The forum starts now. Now, before I uh, play any of the questions or, or get into any, um, or read into any of the questions, I want to kind of explain what the forum is going to look like moving forward and some of the changes you heard me talk about. Um, the forum will now be hosted on the Threadhead Media website. And this is great because um, it allows you, I, I believe there's not a character limit um on the comments i'll have to, to verify that but this way like if you have a long question that doesn't fit into 240 characters that you know a tweet would you can get it on, on there uh, you can also do it in a way that um you know doesn't have to be seen by twitter it can kind of just live on the threadhead forum which i love and this way it'll kind of sort of I guess catalog all the past forums, which I think is, I mean, moving forward, um, which, which I think will be really cool. There, there's also um, an easy way to leave audio messages. Now we're still working out some of the kinks. So if you tried to leave a message and it didn't um, go through, let me know. And we'll, we'll try and get it figured out. Um, someone sent me a DM uh, about that, which I'm going to read later. Um, but basically the, um, the website is threadheadmediacom slash forum. Slash fighting dash with dash myself. Now I'm also going to tweet that link out each, um, fight night, um, just like I did with the forum posts. So it'll still be there and you can still just reply to the tweet if you want. I'm still going to read those, you know, it's, it's not a big deal, but, um, this gives you a way. And I'm still, by the way, if you're used to, um, sending in the the, uh, audio messages on anchor, those are still going to exist, but this way, um, it's very easy to actually leave a voice message. There's a there's a specific link for it, um, on the the forum posts where you can hit the little microphone button and start recording. And I, I think that there's like a thirty second limit, which is isn't the best, um, because I mean the anchors a one minute, and sometimes I feel like even that's too short. But, um, now something exists which, um uh always was an option on twitter but I, maybe people didn't want it to be uh on a tweet or, or what have you because of the way the forum is set up you can put an image or a video with your comment even if it's a text comment so if you want to record it on your own um you can just drop it right there on the website drop it right there in the thread so that's a great way for it to get involved and that way also people can kind of listen to each other's questions ahead of time if they want. Um, again, you can also just send it to me privately, which is if you, like, if you don't want it to be um, heard before the show, but this will be, um, somewhere that only anyone who listens to the podcast will go. So again, threadheadmedia.com slash forum slash fighting dash with dash myself. And that's the general forum link and each post, um, or each week I'm going to do a new post with a topic for the show. Um, it's, usually just going to be like the fights that just happened but if there's no fights i might do a specific topic it's really cool it's a really cool way to interact with the show and for us to kind of have a conversation together you can reply to each other on on there if you want um this is something my man rory cooked up uh you know the head of threadhead media love love rory and i'm super grateful that um you know this, this show is my baby that uh platform um is his baby and we're kind of you know, coming together in a, in a big way with this. So I'm really super excited to, to be offering this uh, for you guys. And, um, with that, let me get into some DMS, uh, that I received before I play some of the questions. So, um, and this is obviously, um, you're going to hear some, some stuff that's on topics that are like maybe a couple weeks old cause <laughs> I didn't record last week. So just keep that in mind. Um, this is from a man typo in my photo. Go give him a follow. It's at typo my photo. He said, need your thoughts on Tony Ferguson versus Dustin Poirier. Call me crazy, if you will, but I think Tony gets beat by Dustin worse than he did by Gaethje. He just gets hit so much and Dustin has real power. What can Tony really do from now to then to cause problems for Dustin? Now, this is something that uh, I'm I'm, really wanting to talk about. This fight was announced... And right now, it looks to be the co-main, or at least on the card, for the Khabib Gaethje pay-per-view. That's usually 254. This is infuriating to me. This fight needs to be five rounds. It needs to be five rounds. Tony and Dustin are both headliners. Um, I'm very much a proponent um, that title eliminators need to be five rounds. That's why like the fact that Zabit and Yair is, is three rounds infuriates me. Um, it just, we need to see them in a five round fight before they get the shot. Now Yair has fought five rounds, etc. Zabit has not, but either way, the last fight before the title fight, in my opinion, has to be five rounds. And, and we know, again, we know both Dustin and Tony can, can go five rounds. They, they, they've both done it, but, that doesn't mean that this fight doesn't need to be five rounds. It does, in my opinion. Again, I have said this before, even if it doesn't go all five rounds, even if it gets stopped in the third or the fourth, they fight differently with, with a five round It's more measured and more technical. Um, and also regardless, I think the amount of rounds should match the amount of rounds for a title fight. Like if you're not going to have title fights be five rounds, then that's fine. But if if title eliminators are not the same length, like, what are we fucking doing here? I don't know. It just infuriates me. But I, in terms of answering your question, um, Mr. Type on my photo, um, I think part of the reason why Tony got beat so badly um, from Gaethje, and I, I shouldn't say so badly because it was competitive there for a while, um, and they had a, a hell of a war. You know, Gaethje took some shots as well. But the reason why that wasn't in his favor is, is Tony took that extra weight cut and he was also kind of coming off a, a, a little bit of a longer layoff. Gaethje was more active, uh, at least from if memory serves me correctly. Um, yeah, because Tony fought cowboy. That was like in may or June and then Gaethje or cowboy turned around and fought Gaethje. And that was, I think Gaethje's last performance before he, he fought for the title. So just a lot of factors run into that, but it, in my opinion, the biggest one was Tony doing that test weight cut in the middle of it because he was supposed to fight April 18th uh, on Khabib. So he did like weigh-in day, which I thought was like a mental thing um, that he did um, to like keep that same mindset. But weight cuts don't get easier as you go along. They get harder, and you only have so many of you in them. It's bringing yourself close to death each time. So for him to have done that was – irresponsible and reckless in my opinion. And at the time I was like, yeah, Jim, should know, only would like, obviously, you know, Tony's my guy, but in hindsight, looking back, that was terrible. And I should have, um, I should have said that at the time because I was a little nervous, nervous, but you know, at that time, Tony was on a 12, five win streak. He was a God in our eyes. Like, you know, us Tony fans, like we fucking, like that's it dude. So, um, as far as tuss- uh, t- n- Tony, Tony, Tony versus Dustin. I was thinking of Tustin, California. Tony versus Dustin. It's uh, it's going to be a war regardless. And I still think Tony can get it done. Um, Dustin, regardless of the fact of, you know, being a black belt now, you know, he did get submitted by Khabib. And tony can submit you from fucking anywhere and i think i think he poses his own set of problems for dustin it's a really close matchup in my opinion i'm I'm not saying tony's gonna beat the dog shit out of dustin or whatever i'm not saying certainly not saying the opposite but i'm saying it deserves a little bit more careful consideration and uh i i think if you're a betting man do not bet on this fight um, unless the odds are really good and you think like you're got you're really confident in the underdog, like whatever, fine. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Now I got uh, an interesting DM from the homie, Mark Tattersall at Flavum Taddy. I got the, um, story behind that. I won't say it, but it was, it was really funny to me. Um. But his question is, I don't know if you want to answer this on the podcast, but I'd love to know your fantasy UFC card. Any fighter from any era can fight against each other. Only limit is the card. You only have five fights and a max of three title fights. Um, love this question. And um, I have done this before. Um, I actually I made a really stacked card once. Um and uh, I'm, I'm super proud of that. I can't remember what episode it was. I think it was around the time of UC 244. So I'd have to go back and uh, check the archives. But I remember, I, I think I did the whole card. I think I did like 10 or 11 fights on it. Um, and I remember Angela Hill was on that card. Um, by the way, super excited. And this is just like, uh, I'm kind of bearing the lead necessarily. But um, the fucking next week's card has Angela and Roxy on it. So much excite, dude. I can't wait. I'm so hyped. Anyway, I had Angela on there. I had Roxy. Not only that, I had Serena Southpaw. Um, Roxy's bestie and um, you know, one of her main training partners. Uh big fan of Serena. Love interacting with her online as well. And I, I had Serena fighting Betch Cohea on that like dream card. So I was like, you know, we need to have someone beat the fuck out of Betch Kohea. She's annoying as hell. I want Serena Southpaw to piece Betch up. I need that. So I'm still sticking with that one. That's going to open up the main card, um, which again, it was on my um, other um, card. Um, also call me crazy. And this, I don't know what standings standings, uh, you know, are going to look like at the time. So imagine everyone is equally ranked or it just makes sense. Um, Angela Hill versus Rose Namajunas rematch. Now that, that one is, is a hard one for my heart because, um, Angel's like now becoming one of my top Favorite fighters of all time but rose is, Will always have a special place In my heart like rose is Like Bay, um And that's like my wife's Favorite fighter so we, we love rose in this House we stand rose not my in this house um that's gonna Be my Um second fight Now And i just thought of this We're doing a fucking all women's card i said that a while Ago this is gonna be an all women's card um, for my fantasy card, just because I, I did another one that was kind of mixed and like whatever, um, uh, Molly McCann versus Vibiani Araujo. Just out of that. That's that's brilliant, um, and I also would love to see um, Zhang Wei Li versus Joanna Two on that card. I think we're at four now, and the card have to be headlined by Valentina Shevchenko versus Amanda Nunes 3 at 135 for all the marbles. Champ versus champ. Fuck yeah, dude. That's the fight. That's the fucking fight. That's the seed. That's the fucking seed, Joey Diaz. So thank you for that, um Mark and then this one was uh, – I, I mentioned earlier that um, someone had uh, attempted to to leave a message in a Threadhead forum. We're, we're ironing that out, but they sent me a little screen recording of it I wanted to play. This is um, the homie Harry Nothrotita, wholesome um, MMA, formerly MMA astrology. She says, where does Pejeda go from here? Who does he fight that will engage with his wild-ass style? And I got a random one for you, and this is – only because of, like, ranking standards, I guess. Um, You know, I mentioned, like, the Masvidal fight would be fun just because he called him out. Again, I don't think they should actually make that fight. It would be crazy from a ranking standpoint. And um, he's sort of, like, new to the UFC. That would just be goddamn ridiculous. But I would either love to see him fight someone like Michael Chiesa, um... Like we haven't really seen him fight a grappler other than Tristan Connolly, but that was short notice. That was a little weird fight. We haven't seen someone whose like main thing is just gonna fucking grapple him. Um, so that or, um, I was thinking Blal Muhammad, but then I was thinking Blal should like deserves a higher fight. So I was thinking Blal last opponent Lyman Good. Tell me that doesn't get you excited, Lyman Good versus Michelle Pajeda, fucking fireworks dude fireworks or you know what? another fucking crazy 170 pounder i don't know if this guy's in the ufc anymore maybe he got cut emil mech the viking bro emil mech versus uh michelle Pajeda. emil will always come out with like crazy flying knees at the start he's a wild man as well that's the seed that's the fucking seed emil mech versus michelle Pajeda. book it ufc you welk You're welcome. So those are the DMs I wanted to just get out uh, right away. Now I'm going to play some of the voice messages. Again, thank you to everyone who sent them in. Uh, You guys are the best. The first one comes from my homie Kairos. Take it away.
1: What is going on, man? I got a better question. Forget the previous one. That's out of there. We don't care about that. I'm going to ask you one of the most important questions in MMA history today. I'm sure you heard the news. This is the biggest story right now. Macy had to pull out of her fight due to injury. I hope she gets back sooner. I can't wait to see her come back. You know how I feel about that. Woman. Anyway, though, <clears throat> who do you think she's going to face next? Me, personally, I'd like to see her get someone like Marion Renault, you know, because, you know, we're upset with her right now, but probably unlikely. And I feel like a lot of the women's mates right now are currently booked or coming off of fights. So it's going to be hard. And I feel like a fighter like Macy probably only wants to go forward in the rankings. So she wouldn't want to face like Julia Villa or someone like behind her. But what do you think?
0: Great question, Kairos. Um, He referenced a, uh, another question I was actually going to play before. I'm still going to play that fucking question because I love it. Um, so thank you so much for this question, Kairos. I know you're the biggest Macy fan on the planet probably. Uh, love it. And, you know, I was thinking... I hate to just like say what you said, but the Marian Renault fight is super interesting to me, but here's another one for you that may be out of left field. Ketlin Vieira. Um, this is probably another one that might not make sense. in The rankings. I don't know where Ketlin is ranked yet. We haven't really seen her since Irene Aldana her to the shadow realm. Um, but I'm super, super intrigued by that fight. Um, also the Sarah McMahon fight. Like there's, there's a ton of great fights for Macy. I just want to see her get active. Um, the Julia Avila fight is interesting. Um, I think uh, did I don't know if you mentioned Nico Montano. Nico Montano just like you know had to pull out of her fight with, with Julia because of COVID. If Macy heals up from her injury and Nico, you know, God willing, recovers from COVID, that's a fun fight as well. Um I would love to see that. Otherwise, Marion Renault fight again. That's chef's kiss right there. That's chef's kiss. Um, we got another one from Kairos. Thank you. Here's another one.
1: I'm going to answer you this one time and one time only juice. You got one opportunity to get it. Correct. You answer wrong. You'll never hear from me again. Backstreet boys are in sync. Also, here's an MMA related question since we're down this road. Do you think the Dominic Cruz will ever reclaim the bantamate title? Hopefully. Yes. Have a great day.
0: Oh my God. So when Cairo sent me this question, uh, and then he sent the other one and was like, forget that other one. Play this one. He gave me an out because if you noticed at the beginning of of this one, he said, if you answer this, if you do all this correctly, you never hear from me again. So I'm putting our friendship on the line. I'm risking that with my answer. And again, I don't know what it is. I don't know what he thinks is the right answer. I'll tell you for me, it is. Actually, very close. Um, when I was growing up, um, it was not close. Like, I was convinced that, like, NSYNC was just like bubblegum pop and not worth like uh, a damn. Baxter Boys was like they were fucking real artists doing like fucking music. Like, tell me that song. Um, I want it that way. Am I? Your fire, your one desire. Believe when I say I want it that way. I just got a new mic, so I'm like super hyped to fucking sing on the podcast, um, bro. It's Backstreet Boys, like, and then but then I'll say this, like, I this is closer. Like as I got older, um, I realized that NSYNC had some fucking bangers as well, like. It, was, it annoyed me when it was on the radio, but then it came on later in life, and whenever it would come on, I would always dance like the fucking... Bye, bye, bye. Fucking love that song. And um, this is an underrated um, NSYNC song that... Um, how does it go? God must have spent a little more time on you. Super fucking heartfelt. Um, we were talking about like 90s boy bands on the podcast, but yeah, dude, for me... It's like fifty five percent Backstreet Boys, forty five percent NSYNC, and especially like I don't know if you guys ever watched the show The Masked Singer. That show is fucking incredible. Um, the rabbit, um, I want to say it was in the first season. I could be wrong. Um, was ended up being Joy Fatone. Joy Fatone did not get to shine enough. Um, in that group because when when he was unmasked i was actually the whole time i was convinced it was jc actually because there was a lot of nsync clues and i was convinced it was jc um jc in my opinion was like the best singer of nsync not justin timberlake like not named justin timberlake obviously justin has like an incredible range and like can do other things and i, I feel like he's better now like back then he was a little too whiny i don't know if it was puberty or whatever the fuck but jc in my opinion was always like the best and I thought it was just and it ended up being Joey. I was like, Oh shit. Joey can sing dude. So yeah, for me, it's like 55% back your boys, 45% in sync. I hope that's the right answer. Kairos, don't leave me. I need you. Um, the other thing is this, as far as your question about Dominic Cruz, it sounds to me to say, as a big Dominic Cruz fan, I don't believe he will ever reclaim the title. it's 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 apparent to me, and I don't know if this is just his body not being what it was, but it looks like the division has caught up with him. like and 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 when I say caught up, i I actually mean surpassed in terms of like where the sport is now. he was an innovator. He was doing things that with footwork and stuff that people just weren't doing, he was making guys look silly. Um, you know, and then Cody figured him out. It took, you know, Dominic beating his fucking coaches. It took Dominic beating Uriah um, twice. Obviously, they fought three times, but Dominic beat him twice. Um, Fucking Joseph Benavidez. um, Like, one of the best lines of trash talk. And I think, I always think T-Cross for reminding me of this when he was like, how are you going to beat me? I bought a house for the money I made off of beating all your teammates. Like, so gangster. Um, But, yeah like he was ahead of his time and now it like MMA is so like it grows every day. And if you're not in the gym every day and doing the things like he's been figured out, the game plan is there. Like Henry Cejudo beat him like obviously much worse than Cody. And that pains me to say, um, part of that was probably the three-year layoff, but Dominic Cruz has come out from long layoffs before and looked amazing. So I don't even know if that's it. Um, I really think it was it's it's due to like where the sport has come. You saw from his um, interviews afterward, his ego would not let him admit that he thought he was robbed of his comeback moment from Keith Peterson. He even made up the bullshit about the fucking cigarettes and alcohol. And yes, I'm saying that's made up. I, I thought that was the word. Like he used to be the best um, loser in MMA. Like he put out the blueprint of how to do it. And and really, that just means out of one performance, the Cody performance. But like that post-fight interview still to this day inspires me um, when um, they ask why he's not um, sitting down. He's like, oh, I'm standing up my whole life. Like, oh, so, so heartfelt. But then um, after after the Cejula loss where he was saying, like, Keith Pearson wouldn't even look me in the eye. Oh, he was so salty, bro. And he still was talking about it on the, on like commentary the following weeks. So I was like, bro, stop whining, dude um so Dominic cruz has left a really bad taste in my mouth with that recently I, every time someone would like talk about his commentary i i would always defend him even though he would not shut up about underhooks underhooks are important so i was like hey man like he's actually talking about what's going on and he's like doing fucking good work but and then now whenever him and rogan are on the same podcast and they just not podcast but the, the commentary the same broadcast that's what i meant to say they just argue and it's Oh, so petty and dumb. Even I think with Bisping as well. Um, I feel like you're about to get so mad at me because obviously from your message, I think it sounded like you're a big Dominic Cruz fan. And again, I hope he does. I want Dominic Cruz to to regain the title again. That would be a perfect moment, but we don't get that in MMA. If Daniel Cormier can't get it, like Dominic Cruz for sure can't get it. I guess if you um, have the initials DC, um, MMA gods don't like you (laughs) That's fucked up but Thank you for your questions Kairos they were amazing as always Go check out Kairos at Kairos MMA Um, Amazing YouTube Amazing contributions to um, New um, Newly named Podcast called Shots Fired under the Wocast umbrella on the same Podcast feed love the work They do over there Um. This is uh, one from my guy. Type on my photo.
2: Jews. Type on my photo here. Only got a couple things to talk about. About that fight card. I mean, it was pretty dope all around to be honest. You know, a lot of submission victories. which was dope. Dog fight. And then a couple really one-sided fights. But... All, all hats goes off to those winners. They put in the work and they got the job done. But let's just talk about Ricardo Lamas. That guy is a certified animal at the age of 38. I mean, he really turned it up there in that third round. I mean, don't get me wrong. Every round was great, but damn. And then Rackets. I've always said he was going to be great one day. Do you think he deserves the winner of John Blahovitz and Dominic Reyes?
0: Great question, my man. I forgot to mention that this was obviously from last week's card. And um, what I want to say is this. Um, Yeah, Rakic has all the tools um, to be great. And I think he's so young in his career that we still haven't seen all those tools. Um, I really thought leading up to that fight that Anthony Smith had, had faced higher caliber opponents. Um, And part of that was me listening to Anthony Smith's interview on area Hawani where he said that he said like, you know, I'm not Justin Ledette, Like I'm not these other guys that you've beat. I'm not like a, you know, washed up Jimmy Manoa, all due respect. Like Anthony Smith is not that, but a bracket should work. And um, as far as like, what's next, I think because he, you know, on paper lost to Vulcan. Again, I didn't know how to score that fight, so I didn't think it was like a bad decision either way, but everyone was like, oh, man, he got robbed. Like, Racket should have won. I thought I just thought that fight was super close. But um, if you think he won that fight, you probably do think he deserves tower shot, but on paper, he still has that loss. So I think, you know, as far as what I'd like to see for him, um, I'd like to see him face... Well, I would have said the um, the loser of Santos Glover, but that's been off due to Corona. Like, what the fuck, man? So, because it's clear, it's clear to me, like, based on where the rankings are at, I mean, maybe not clear. Nothing is really clear in modern UFC anymore. But um, what I thought was going to happen was, is that, you know, the winner of Glover and Santos was going to face the winner of Blahovich and Reyes. Now we kind of don't know, so uh I just um I, w- I want to see him get a big fight next, whatever that is. Like His next fight should be a title eliminator in my opinion, so thank you for your question. Now we got the king hath made his return. Jim Assoon.
3: What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Juice, and all you juice heads. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, my question for you this week juice is uh anthony smith man the fuck is up with him you know i really did think that guy was the next fucking possible champion i know i don't know many people are gonna beat jones at light heavyweight but you know without jones there i thought he was right up there so what do you think is next for him i hear a lot of people chattering about him maybe changing gyms or something like that or like something's got to change, man, because he just hasn't seen the same since that uh, title fight. So that's my question for you this week. It is what it is, kids. It's always four twenty. base
0: Yeah, man. Thank you so much, Jim, for this question. And i i was I was right there with you as far as you know, Anthony Smith. You know, getting right back in there. Um, uh, the loss to Glover is always going to be a um a really it's going to come to mind for a while. Like he's going to have to, and now the rackets lost as well, like back to back, it's going to be, you know, we're going to think about that. It's going to be on our minds for a while, but I, I do believe, um, part of the reason he lost to racket was the fact that it was such a quick turnaround from that hellacious beating that, uh, Glover gave him. So, Um, like timing matters. Hindsight is always 2020. And the people, oh, I I believe there's a percentage of MMA fans that like sit back and don't say anything so they can, you know, make comments after the fact like, oh, everyone was telling Anthony Smith y'all ain't shit or whatever. Like you weren't saying anything, bro. So sit the fuck down. So, um, I think that Anthony Smith still has fights left in him. I just think he needs to take a long layoff, not long, but like, you know, at least six months for his brain, for his body. Um, we really need to see Anthony Smith recover more and and just get get the right fight. Maybe Anthony Smith versus OSP, but again, after a long layoff, I don't know. I just think that was such a quick, quick turnaround. Um, I mean, I, I I guess it was back in May that he fought Clover, so that's. I mean, when the fight happens, it was like like three months. But three months is not enough, dude. Like, some people have their camp over over three months. Like, if it's not... Like, pre-COVID, that was fairly common. Fucking A. Thank you for your question, Jim. Much love. What I'm about to play uh, may be hard to hear for some people. Maybe triggering for others. Maybe both. Um, I just wanted to give a quick warning and somewhat of a disclaimer before I do that. And if you would like to skip it, I'll tell you how long it is um, from the point that I say. Uh, it involves um, my buddy Shane Terra, longtime friend and supporter of the podcast, um, reached out to me, asked me to, to play this message to, uh, to get this out. Um, Shane has been protesting you know, pretty much since day one, since all the protests started after the fucking awful murder of George Floyd by those cops in Minnesota. Um, He's been on the front lines protesting in his area of San Diego. Um, And it's been really inspiring to watch. And I've said before that I really wanted to be a part of a, a lot of these protests that were in my area, but I am really uncomfortable about being in large crowds because of the pandemic. And it just is like I'm at risk because of my battles with cancer, I feel like I'm immunocompromised, but anyway, I don't don't want to get too much involved in that, but I do want to say that um, Shane Tara's message about what happened to one of his comrades in the protest is heartbreaking and they are starting a a movement to um, free this guy. Uh, His name is Denzel, uh, who he mentions, you'll hear him say Denzel. So I just want to give a little bit of background so you can go check out Shane Tara's IG for, uh, that's Instagram, for uh, a little bit more information on it. He actually posted something that says Denzel's bail is the same as the killer of George Floyd, which is ludicrous. Um, So I'm going to play this message from him, and it's two minutes long, so if you want to skip it, skip two minutes starting now.
4: On Friday um, in the early afternoon, um, a bunch of... A bunch of nonviolent protesters were assaulted and arrested by San Diego police. Uh, One of our comrades, Denzel, um, was one of those people. He has an absolutely absurd number of felony charges piled against him right now for no good reason. Um, When he was first admitted to the jail, his bail was set at $750,000 for a nonviolent protest um after working with a local bail bond service and then also they were in coordination with a local um bail fund that the community just donates to um they got the the bail down they got the bond they got all the money for the bonds then the jail decided that um They wanted collateral. So people found collateral. They put up uh, deeds to their houses and property. Um, Everything was working out. He started going through the process of getting out of jail. And then the jail decided that they wanted to give him an ankle monitor at a cost of $300 a month until his court date, which is probably January or February. Um, that was all taken care of. The process started. And then now the jail has boosted his bail back up to $750,000. And I just. I just need to let people know that that shit's not fucking okay. If that was a white dude, he wouldn't be in there right now. And I'm not going to tell you all what I saw, but I saw them torturing him. And I know they kept doing it. And I just.
0: Okay, we got another question from the homie. Type on my photo.
2: Jews. Type on my photo here. Pretty sure you're gonna do your show this week, but if not, sure listen. Uh, a couple things about the fights tonight. They were really good. I enjoyed them. Pedata. Uh, he looked like a killer. That composed version of him is so much better. It's still just shocking to me that that man makes 170 pounds. And the next fight, that OSP fight, man, I just love seeing him do well. Back in the day, he uh, took a fight with one of my homies, Joe, one of his first fights, and he was Bellator, but he got him out of there in 46 seconds. And Tough fight for Joe, but it's always good to watch him do well. Overeem, not enough not enough. St- time to say anything great about the man but he is awesome his age his experience good for him
0: hell yeah love that story by your your buddy joe that's that's really cool yeah dude like first of all michelle Pajeda, you're right i I keep forgetting like how ridiculous it is that he makes 170 like the the guy could probably fight at 185 and would not be one uh, undersized he's so fucking like massive um and yeah the composed version i hope this is i hope this is here to stay i i really i don't know if it was the lack of crowd because he's such a showman he's such an entertainer he feeds off the energy from the crowd i don't know if this is because he didn't have a crowd or he was always going to be more measured he certainly was like talking to him in there and like slapping him oh my god i love that fucking beat the shit out of him i love love that and yeah, Overeem, he's still got it, baby. That's it. What can we say? Um, always love your input typo uh, in my photo. Thank you. This next question is from my man, Yugi. Um, before I play it, he's titled it Heart of the Cards, which is reference to his name. Love that. We actually have never talked. I used to be a big Yu-Gi-Oh! fan back in the day. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Go check out before I forget, go check out his podcast, the iPoke Podcast. Big fan.
1: What's up, Juice? What's up, buddy? What is up? I'm waking and bacon, just chilling, doing my thing. Uh, what do you think about Carlos Condis's chances against Court McGee? That's all I want to know. All I want to know. Usual huge fan. Huge, huge fan. I'd like to know what you think, buddy. Take it easy.
0: I love this question. Also, I love whatever music was in the background. It sounded like fucking um, Howie Day. It sounded like the you and I collide. Great fucking song. Uh, Yeah, dude. I actually favor Carlos Condit in this fight. Um, It's not by a wide margin, by any means. Um, It it could even be 50 50. What I, I guess what I'm saying is most of Carlos's fights lately, I have not favored him. I've been worried for him going into it, and certainly was proven right, I guess, by the fight. But this one, I'm like, yo, Carlos can win this. And these are the fights that he should be taking. I'm not just saying he needs to be cherry picking and like getting winnable fights. He needs to be fighting other vets. I'm tired of these fucking young lions making a name off Carlos Condit. Although I gotta say, um, I think it was booked. Um, he was, he was booked to fight Mickey Gall. He was going to beat the dog shit out of Mickey Gall like that. I'm so certain he was going to fucking beat the shit out of Mickey Gall. Like there's nothing you could tell me that would be different. Uh, but as far as court McGee, yeah, dude. Um, court McGee's a grinder. He's a tough guy. Um, very hard to finish. Um, he usually wins his fights by decision. Um, Carlos used to be a finisher. Now it seems like he's not I, I don't know how else to put that but I think I think this is gonna be a wild fight when Carlos fought Neil Magney it seemed like he never got out of first gear as long as he can get to second and third gear and really start implementing his game plan and and push the pace, I think he can uh I think he can do work against Corp McGee I really do um, I don't know if that's just wishful thinking, but personally, Personally, I'm not worried about this one for Carlos. I think it's, I think it's a, it, it's a good fight for him. So thank you for that. Yugi next, we got a few questions from MMA catfish, which I love. Um, again, uh, some of these are from last week, just in general, we've got one from him from last week that I still want to play. And then one from this week. So, um, Definitely going to play the one from last week. Here we go. Hey, juicy
5: baby. It's MMA Catfish. Main event tonight. Apparently, I'm one of the very few people who actually liked that fight. I thought that the rocket manhandled Smith. He just soundly worked him and was active for 15 minutes at a very one-sided fight. And I don't understand why so many people are hating on the guy for it. On that note as well, what do we think of Smith now? That is two very lackluster performances from him. In this one, he offered absolutely nothing. And I'm sorry, but Glover is overrated. Not that consistently good got his ass beat by John Jones and the beating that he put on Smith was just really telling so where do we go from here with him I'm not saying he should be cut but man I just don't understand his last two performances have been so bad what's up
0: I don't know what to make of this, uh, Seth. I think you're a little too harsh on Anthony Smith. Here's the thing. First of all, I do not think Glover uh, is overrated. That Nikita Krylov fight was incredible. And uh, Nikita Krylov is a young, hungry guy. Not super young. Maybe young for 205 just because it's filled with um, a lot of older guys, (laughs) to be quite frank. But... I don't know. You know what actually would be a good fight for Anthony Smith? Just thinking about it. Misha Serkinov. Here's a guy who um, prefers grappling over striking. Um, I believe it's his judo. He might be a BJJ black belt as well, but I think he started with judo. Um, And uh, Anthony Smith is a a BJJ black belt in his own right. (sighs) So that would be a fun fight for him as far as his, his two performances. I don't think it's fair to call the Glover fight lackluster. He just like burned himself out in the, in the first two rounds, throwing like way more than he normally does. He even said he like doubled his output over his like past fights. I don't know the exact statistic to do the math, but, um, he doubled his output in those first two rounds than all all of his uh, previous fights. So that should tell you something right there. I think it was adjusting to uh, fighting without a crowd. You know, they were one of the first. I mean they weren't the first. the The Tony gaethje card was the first, but I think they were the first one after that, um, if I remember correctly. So there weren't that many other fights to go off of to know what to expect. and the fact that they could hear every word of their coaches, which they weren't used to, I think that played a big factor. And Glover to me is, is not going to, you know, I'm not going to call him overrated. You'll, you'll never hear that out of me. So I, I, ve- I vehemently disagree with you, sir. Um, and to say he got his ass beat by John Jones is not really fair because that was when John Jones was being the shit out of everybody. And like John Jones is arguably the best fighter of all time Just to say, you got to beat the fuck out of by the best fighter of all time. Is it really like bad? Like it is what it is. And he dislocated his shoulder in that fight so that uh that's another thing as far as his performance against rockets like i don't know what to say about it i do think the quick turnaround was a factor so i don't know much else to say obviously it's gonna sound like i'm just like making excuses for anthony and that's certainly you know not what he wants to do so it is what it is i feel like i say that almost as much as max holloway But thank you, and, and then yeah, he did have another one from last night, which is, uh, well, you'll you hear it.
3: Hey, Juicy Baby. You know, I wanted to lead off with just mentioning I still don't think OSP belongs. Too inconsistent. Just too damn inconsistent. However, my question this week revolves around PED use and not and I can't help but think why don't we just have two classifications much like in bodybuilding they've just been like you know what fuck it here's the guys that are juiced to the gills and they compete each other and here's the guys that are clean and they compete against each other and it's all relatively fair for everybody maybe we need to do that in MMA we could have the PED edition and the normal human being edition. And, you know, in the Legends edition. Of course, we got to have that. And maybe Legends needs two classifications as well. Or do we just all throw up our hand and be like, y'all Legends can just juice the fuck. We don't even care. What do you think, brah?
0: So I love this idea. First of all, um, stop saying OSP doesn't belong. He's, uh, he's an elite fighter, in my opinion. Not super elite. And obviously, like last night, like I said, he was looking a little slow. And I, I wasn't sure if that was because of the, the fact that he fucking test positive for COVID like so many times. Shout out to Yuki. <laughs> calling him COVID St. Prue. That was really funny. Um, That and, and my nickname for him, calling him Slow SP, inspired a thread, which I'm going to read part of a, a little bit later on. Man. I gotta say, I the PED thing. I've had this idea before. I'm not saying that took my idea, but you know, great minds think alike. I've often thought this that there should be two leagues because first of all, the fucking outrage from fans whenever you saw to catches somebody like fucking cry me river like miss me with that shit entirely because most of, most of what they're catching is just like tainted supplement stuff and i know there's a large portion of my fans that believe the tainted supplement thing is just an excuse but the amounts reflect that like the amounts that they're finding in these are so little and yes it could be like you know cycling and timing it but but the random testing from usada would suggest that it's not that and even still that just to me more Um, opens like makes a case for a separate league you know and if you want to say i think the problem with it is that you know the uc is considered the pinnacle of mma and they have usada and it's this whole like clean sport thing um and if they were to do that i don't think they would do um two different leagues because every other league well one at one championship does not do drug testing which is very fucking interesting to me. And is like, oh, well, the culture here doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't really allow for that bullshit, dude. Like, you're telling me Timofey, Nastyukin or whoever the fuck beat the shit out of Eddie Alvarez's debut, you tell me that guy wasn't on something? Come on, bro. Like, they don't test. Like, they, you have to know that. I don't know. But, like, Bellator and, and all the other stuff, they're regulated by the commissions, which, are like, they you know when the tests are. Very easy for, for people to... um let's call it cheating or whatever to to, to, to take PEDs, um and, and not get caught unless you're Josh Barnett and you still get caught or you're fucking, what's the guy's name? Jared Miller, babyface the guy that was supposed to face Anthony Joshua and then tested positive for everything. Like they found so much shit in his system. And then his next fight, um, the same shit like dude is like having all the PEDs There's none left for anybody else. Um, but I think that's like Vada, like the voluntary or maybe it's Wada drug testing and boxing is like contractual. There's so much different I don't even really fuck about boxing, but um, I like that that idea of two different things. The Legends thing Hey, like I don't like that dude whenever you talk about that and I, I don't mean you I just mean anyone Um, because I've certainly talked about this before as well and, and other people have, have whenever the conversation comes up it's sad dude it's sad to like think about Legends League I definitely think the matchmaker should be more kind to them um in terms of giving them these these matchups and I like it more when Legends fight each other like, like Shogun Lil Nog 3 f- fine dude all about it like that fight was awesome because it wasn't you know, it was like stepping on a time machine. It was like a different era. It wasn't like the old school versus the new school. It was just like old school versus old school. Let's have, let's start around again. Um, and they didn't fucking pull punches. Like the fact that Roy Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson are, I almost said Mike Jones, Roy Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson are doing like a three-run exhibition with headgear. Like that shit is sad to me. Not going to watch. Don't really watch boxing anyway, but not going to watch. It, it's it's just not appealing to me. I, and, and I think with a lot of fighters, you have to force them out of the game by doing those matchups. Um, like Bernard Hopkins stuck around until he was 50 years old, had to get fucking knocked out of the ring by uh, a construction worker. Meaning Joseph, was it Joseph Smith? I mean, that's a Mormon guy. It was Joseph something, I think. Or Joe, maybe it was Joe Smith, John. Anyway... The fucking guy knocked him through the ropes um, and out of the ring. I believe that shit was hard to watch. Fifty years old. I mean, for fuck's sake. Like, if, Bart, if Bernard Hopkins was given like another fifty year old boxer, he probably would have won and he'd be like, I still got it. You know what I mean? You have to force them out. So I don't like the legend's idea, but as far as the you know separating PEDs, uh, I love that. Even Mark Hunt said he was like, they should have two leagues: a cheating league and a non cheating league. So the fucking juice heads can stick the needles up their bum. The juicing cunts, like whatever. Like when Mark Hunt goes off, it's the fucking best. You can't tell me it's not. Um, fucking a, dude. Um, all right. I I want to do um. I'll read some of the um, the Twitter questions I got, and then we'll end with the um the threadhead forum. So, um. You guys left me some uh, some awesome questions. Here's one from Joe blogs. This isn't really a question, but I always like to read the little commentary that's in the form. That's kind of part of it. Like it doesn't need to be a question for me to read it. Um, so at Joe blog 74, the man go give him a follow. He says, I'm thinking of starting a new trend and saying big cards are going to be rubbish. Cause these not so well-known cards are lit to fuck. Booyah. <laughs> yeah, dude, I've said it before. Like the, the cards that are like shit on paper, they always deliver. It's so crazy. Um, i mean, not always, but almost always. Another question from Eamon at Team flamo 2. He says, I don't have a question. I would just love you to sing A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, O, S, P. <laughs> I told you I made that thread of like, let's do a third nicknames for O, S, P, which I'm going to read some later. Um, and he put that one. I was like. I was like, people aren't going to get how great this actually is. Cause of, of the h i j k he left of the LM, but in my opinion, like if you got to, it has to flow with the thing you have to say the LM too. It's like H I J K O S P. It misses it, but H I J K L M O S P fucking a. Um, another question from brat MMA at brat MMA. Oh, she's just referencing her. She actually went to the um, thread forum. Thank you. I'm going to read your question later. Um, And so that's actually it as far as Twitter questions. So now let's head into the Threadhead Media Forum. Again, this is going to be the new home. Uh, I'm super excited. First question, we're starting it off right, from The King, Rory, Bossman, Threadhead Media. He says, who should Overeem fight next? Um, I don't necessarily have an answer for this. There's, There's, it feels like there's, plenty of options then it feels like there's not like i said he's only got a few fights left in him and i want to see him you know get another shot at the title if that's possible like he's he's up there and um like it's it's not super far-fetched as far as rankings go but it is in terms of who he would need to get past like um the Jarzinho rematch is kind of interesting because Overeem was winning most of that fight up until he got his lip busted wide the fuck open so Um, given that uh Jarzinho lost to Francis and then he came back and beat JDS, um, that's interesting to me to see Overeem Jarzinho rematch. And um, I also wouldn't mind um, Overeem versus Derek Lewis, like that's super interesting. But the fact that Derek Lewis is booked against Curtis Blades, that like to me, when when Derek Lewis won his last fight, I was like, the fucking Curtis Blades fight is the fight to make. So, um, We have to kind of see. But if Curtis wins, um, he's likely going to be the number one contender. And, like, where does that leave Derek? Well, the Overeem fight would make sense. Now, um, if Derek Lewis wins, I would not like to see um, Curtis Blades versus Overeem, too. No interest in that. We basically saw the reverse of what happened with Overeem and Sakai. Like, you know, um, has Overeem fought Volkov yet? I don't think so that would be intriguing to me actually Overeem versus Volkov is an interesting fight um it doesn't do much for him in the rankings but it keeps him busy and i think the reem will always be relevant you know as long as he gets a good win and um yeah the problem is like Overeem's fought everybody in the heavyweight division other than these young guys and like like who wants to see fucking Overeem versus Todd Duffy like nobody <laughs> maybe Todd Duffy but um yeah, I guess it's really just and I don't I don't want to see Overeem JDS rematch like that has no steam in it for me. Um I don't know why. For some reason if Kane were to come back to MMA, I would like to see Overeem versus Kane. That's that's interesting to me. But otherwise no. Yeah, these next few fights for Overeem are going to be super interesting because it's going to be in my opinion, it should be very strategic to uh to get him that uh that rematch with stipe or, or you know like i said non-shinning on rematch i hope to god and stipe beats Nganu. Um, and actually this is crazy and I, and again this is like a shit take um it doesn't necessarily make sense but if um john jones gets there by the time Overeem um makes uh get gets his title shot for the end of his run over him versus John Jones bro like they used to train together at Jackson's like I just think that would be so crazy if we if they if they actually made that happen like John Jones made his career of beating all the legends at 205 like he might as well get one of the legends at um heavyweight and over and fought at 205 like it's just an interesting story to me I like stories um question from hannah v aka Brat mma which i said was she left the question here she says hey juice welcome back what do you think has been going on with woodley the last few fights and do you think he can fix it if so how excellent fucking question and i kind of don't know how to answer it yet because we don't know what woodley we're going to get against colby and that's the thing and that's what is sort of on the horizon but as far as what happened in his last few fights like i don't know so when he fought kamaru right it looked like he just didn't show up. He was even at one point, like maybe a couple times during the fight, I don't know if this is just in my my head, when Kamara would take him down, he looked like he was looking off into space. I don't know if he was looking to his coaches for guidance. I don't know if he was looking up at the fucking clock. He looked like he did not want to be there and that he just didn't know how to deal with Kamara's wrestling. I was like, how are you a division one wrestler and wrestling was a big part of your fucking life and you don't know how to deal with Kamara's wrestling? Like what? He didn't even try to suck some of those takedowns. It was sad, bro. It was really sad. And then Gilbert... Um, it looked like Tyron actually was trying, like Tyron just didn't let his hand go, hands go in the Kimura fight. And he was actually trying to strike with Gilbert. Gilbert just outstruck him. He just pressured him and pressured him and pressured him. And Colby's going to pressure him. Now, I think it's personal with, uh, with, uh, Colby and Tyron. And I do think that sometimes fighting emotional is bad, but at this point, like what else is there for us, you know, Tyron fans to cling to like. I need him to smash Colby, bro. Like if he does not smash Colby, I'll be super sad. And yeah, um, I just think it's, it's a problem of, of not getting out of first gear. Again, like I said, with Carlos Conan and Neil Magni, it's a problem of not getting out of first gear. Um, and if that happens, then that's kind of the main problem. And he's maybe got to get out of his head Uh, I know at at some point the Gilbert fight, you know, you have to believe that 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 cut was a factor. Like, the fact that Gilbert cut, I think it was his eyebrow. um, That was a big, like, I was worried they were actually going to stop the fight because of that. Um, But um, Tyron Woodley afterwards, you know, didn't make excuses and seemed seemed to own up to it. So, who knows, man? Like, (sighs) Tyron training with Mosfidal I gotta say, like, there's always this narrative, right? Like, oh, Kevin Lee's now a tri-star. This is going to be like, I don't want to say like anytime someone trains with someone new, it's going to be like, this is the thing that they were missing their whole career. But the fact that he's getting back to his roots, because I guess he used to train with Masvidal back in the day at ATT. I'm super excited to see what that's going to do for him. Um He's saying that Masvidal is like keeping him on his P's and Q's. He's like, he's like no, you got to do this. He's like, come on, wake up. We got to go run. He's also like running with uh, uh, like some triathletes to work, like work on more of his cardio. I'm super optimistic, like cautiously optimistic, I guess, for Tyron's next fight. So thank you. Thank you for your question. Next question is from Dan Albanese. He says, who should John Jones fight first if he doesn't face Stipe or Lesnar? Right away. Um, great question. And actually, before I answer your question, um, the name Dan Albanese is, is familiar. and I'm sure we know each other from Twitter. Um, I, I did mention one of the benefits of having this this forum on Threadhead Media is a way for probably the small percentage of people that listen to my podcast who are not on Twitter like to get involved in the show um, in, a, in a big way. Um, but I, that name is familiar, and I'm sorry that I didn't because the Twitter handle is not there, and I want to shout you out. Um, to get a follow, so so look my man up, Dan Albanese. Um, who should John fight first if he doesn't face Stevie or Lesnar right away? Honestly, if it's a non-title fight, because it's not just Stevie, like unless he cuts the line, like Dana has said, and I know Dana, you know, sometimes lies or or does goes against what he says anyway. Dana has said that Nganu versus Stevie two is next. Like Stipe has to fight Nganu. I will say though. If Sipe doesn't take um a long layoff before he fights Nganu, I worry about his chances. Like he put on a clinic last time, but he was able to he took some big shots in that first round. And, and Ngano with his confidence back, like is a dangerous fucking man, bro. So um and yeah, Stipe took some hard shots from DC. You're not the same after those fights. You gotta heal your brain. If he doesn't take a long layoff, I favor Ngano in that fight. So John, uh, John Jones is um You know should face the winner of that um, Hopefully but the Lesnar Fight is the only non-title fight I will Entertain as far as what I want to see Now there's some fun fights for John Jones, a heavyweight regardless but Tell me a time when a a champion Did not get an immediate title Shot when moving weight classes you can't I mean Anderson Silva Fought non-title fights at 205 when he was still the middleweight champion but he Didn't change divisions like that was back in the Day when um, the UFC would not Let you try to become a champion. They championship. Like if you wanted to move weight classes, you had to vacate your belt, but he did it on short notice to like save those cards. And he did it in non-title fight. So it wasn't like he was trying to get his, another belt. This is like, John Jones is like, okay, I vacated my belt. I'm moving up. I'm getting a title shot. And unless he fights Brock Lesnar, which personally I think is just, um, Lesnar being, uh, a master negotiator and trying to get, um, more money from the WWE. I don't think that fight's going to happen, but if it does, that would be the only fight I would want to see um personally. I think the buildup would be super fun. probably wouldn't be competitive. I think John Jones would do work against Brock Lesnar, but he's so massive that it would just be interesting enough for people to wonder, you know, so i I, I would love to see it personally. otherwise, um, like I, I wouldn't want to see John Jones against um like a Derek Lewis um unless he's the belt and Derek Lewis earns another title shot. Like that's the only fight I want to see for John Jones. As much as a hater of, of I am like, he's a champion. He's one of the best he needs to find. He needs to get a fucking title shot. Like that's it. Again, he called up Brock. So like, that's if he thinks that's a winnable fight, which I agree with and they want to make the fight fine. But Brock's ass has to wait six months in the USADA pool for them to make that fight. So you know what I mean? like, (laughs) Anyway, that concludes our forum. Thanks again so much to Rory and Threadhead Media for making it happen on the new platform, and I'm I, I want to encourage everyone to get involved. Um, you know, with that, that's also by the way. Um, that's also a way for you to send in questions ahead of time. I, I always said you can DM me on Twitter and that's still the case. Like if you think of something like don't, you know, I want to keep the, the idea is for all avenues. The, the idea is to get more opportunities, not less. So, you know, that's still the case. But with the, with the Threadhead forum, you can go there and leave a message for the show. It's almost like leaving a review on iTunes, which you should do anyway, by the way, if you're on Apple fucking podcast, leave me a goddamn review. <laughs> Thank you. Um, But um, you can go to Threadhead Media and just leave a comment on the forum. Even if I haven't made a new post yet, I'll still read those. I'll still see those, and they'll be relevant for the show. And again, it's another opportunity for voice questions, which make this show even better for you as a listener. So you can attest to that. Um, Thanks again, everybody. And now let us look forward to next week's Fight Card. So unfortunately... No one has their fucking shit together. I'm still going to preview the fights. Don't worry. But um, looking ahead to next week's fight card, it's a bit of a mess, if I'm honest, because um, this card was meant to be headlined by Glover Teixeira versus Chaco Santos. I was looking forward to that fight, but I'm super excited for the new main event. That was my other fight I was I was looking very much forward to. Well, one of them. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. But it's now going to be headlined by Angela Hill versus Michelle Watterson. Angela Hill is making history by being the first black woman to headline a UFC event. Fucking congrats to Angela Hill. My girl. Hell yeah. Um. Now, here's the thing. When I say no one has their shit together, if you go to the UFC.com, they only have... um the main event, Angela Hill versus Michelle Waterson and um, Billy Quarantillo or Quarantillo. still not sure how to pronounce that because I don't know if it's um, Spanish or not. um, Versus Kyle Nelson listed just those two fights. That's it. Um, Even Wikipedia only has those two, but then they have a list of other, this is announced bouts, but they aren't on the official fucking fight card. If you Google it, it, only has the main event for some reason. Like usually when you type into Google, like whatever, it'll put like a preview of the thing. Um, the whole card. Just the fucking main event. What the hell is going on? Tapology, thank God, has the fight card. However, one of the fights they have listed uh, is Kama Worthy versus Oatman um, Aziatar, Aziatar? I'm, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And I'm pretty sure that's been cancelled. So I don't know how up-to-date this is. I pray to God that most of it is correct. But um, So because of that, I'm going like, to highlight some of the fights that I'm just really looking forward to and again I hope that they happen. And I guess with all these cards anyway, even if all these were 100% accurate, it's all subject to change because of fucking COVID now. Like someone could have a positive corner test, you know, someone one of their corner make could t- test positive. Um and so with that, I will highlight a few of the fights um I'm looking forward to. Sabina Mazo versus Justine Kish. Sabina Mazo her last fight was awesome. Her last several fights, like she always delivers, in my opinion. Like the fight with um, Shannon Dobson was great. The J.J. Aldridge fight, would, fight was great. Sabina Mazo um, was the LFA flyweight champion. Many people thought she was going to make waves in the UFC. I think, I want to say her debut didn't go her way or something like that. So she's had to kind of prove herself because of that. But she just always comes to fight, in my opinion. I'm, I really love Sabina Mazo. As a matter of fact, if she wins this fight, I know I said my dream car was like, Molly McCann versus Viviani. That was just kind of like you know recency bias because Vivi just fought, but Sabina Mazel versus Molly McCann. My God, dude, wow! I would love to see that fight. But Sabina Mazel versus Justine Kish. Justine, unfortunately, will always be the the girl that Felice Herrig made shit her pants in the octagon. Um, that's it's going to take forever to remove that stain. <laughs> i'm sorry it's terrible but it's gonna take a while for that um memory to to go away um that said justine is uh, a skilled fighter she actually um one of my favorite things justine has done and maybe some of you missed this but um she made an appearance on kingdom and although it's choreographed obviously um it still was a hell of a fight that they they made with um the character's name is alicia i I believe i don't i don't know the actress's name but that was like an exhibition bout that they put on a gym like a little smoker or something to get like uh, promoters interested in in alicia and um they fucking went to war and and again like joe daddy stevenson choreographs those fights so he makes sure that they're like really super awesome but uh, i didn't know justine could like brawl like that Uh, which again it's it's staged but like you have to have those skills, I guess, and it just was super well done. So glad that she was a part of that, and again, something that she can do to like get the stain out of our <laughs> out of our minds. Oh my god! Anyway, uh, Sabina's, uh, you know, I think a favorite in this fight. I don't really give my picks for these fights. Um, I don't like doing that anymore, um, but I will. Um, We'll be giving my picks um, for the five pick championship that I'm in. So stay tuned for that. By stay tuned, I mean, well, check out MMA Mark's um, Twitter feed for the results. Um, Roosevelt Roberts versus Matt Frivola. Super interesting fight. Uh, Roosevelt Roberts just beat the shit out of Brock Weaver. Thank the Lord. Um, who's also um reportedly on this card, which we'll get to. Um uh, Matt Fravola. Matt Frivola is one of those guys that like I love his team. He comes out of the Sierra Longo fight camp. Always love those guys. Um But the way he um the way he fought um he just had some fights that are like controversial in my opinion. Like he fought um, Lando Venata to a draw, and that was Lando's second draw in the UFC. Lando had a draw with Bobby Green as well, also on this card. Interestingly enough, and he in the post fight interview they interviewed usually both fighters in a, in a draw. Um, they interviewed Matt who's like, you know, this guy gets in a lot of draws. Like, don't fucking first of all that was only his second draw. Like you were a part of and or you're part of the, just the second one. He was part of the first one, obviously. Um, so, so up to that point, it was only one. So don't say he gets in a lot of draws and second of all, like that's also due to you, bro. Like don't fucking pretend like you didn't have anything to do with that. He also, in my opinion, did not be Luis Pena. Um, I thought Luis Pena actually was like too salty about it. So that'll be like the memory of, you know, in our minds. Um, of that, but I did think that Luis won that fight. His also his fight with Jalen Turner was super um, controversial, Matt Frivolas, that is. So, um, in my opinion, he still has to kind of prove himself in the eyes of the fans in a lot of ways. And I think this fight can do it because I uh, know Roosevelt Roberts is a tough customer. So, this should be an awesome fight. Um, another fight to look forward to is Brian Barbarena versus Anthony Ivey. Um, Anthony Ivey just recently lost to Christian Aguilera. And um, we haven't really seen what he can do in the UFC. Brian Barberina, super tough guy, has given us some incredible wars, um, namely the one with Vicente Luque. But um, I'm always looking super forward to um, Brian Barberina fight. He also um, give, a, give us a beautiful arm triangle submission over um, over um, Sage Northcutt, and um, that was marked a little bit of controversy with Sage's first time at 170 i think or maybe his second and uh it was a an opponent change and he had mrsa apparently i don't know what that um if it was before the fight or around the same time but uh that was like a modified arm triangle i think it was like from half guard he just squeezed the fuck out of him so people thought it could have been considered a von flu like it was more of like from shoulder pressure but that's kind of what arm triangle does anyway so i think it's it's you know an arm triangle um yeah anyway super looking forward to that fight billy quarantillo again could be quarantillo um, versus kyle the monster nelson amazing fight if you guys haven't already um listened to it go check out kyle nelson's interview that he did with combat sports with rhino my my homie um gave a great interview and billy quarantillo i'll always look forward to because of his run on the ultimate fighter and when i say run um i don't mean that he like super impressive i think artem beat him in his first fight there um but just just his um demeanor in the household was like he was always like a chill guy and the fact that fucking uriah faber called him channing Wahlberg, i'll always think of that but he fucking put on an amazing fight with spike carlisle like regardless of what um you know i thought of the outcome of the scoring and and things like that it was an amazing fight and i'm looking super forward to this one it's going to be um I hate to say it's going to be a barn burner because I feel like whenever we say that, it doesn't necessarily lead to that way. But I think these guys have the style to to put on an exciting fight regardless. And um, Frank Camacho versus Brock Weaver is on deck. That is super fucking interesting. Um, Again, these are all subject to change. I don't know if this has already fallen through. I hope to God it is going through because uh, I want to see Frank Camacho beat the shit out of Brock Weaver. However, um, Frank Camacho just got knocked out by Justin Janes not too long ago. So I worry that this is too soon. Um, that could play a factor. Like, I don't want to like already make excuses for him necessarily, but I'm just, I worry is all I'm saying, you know? So hopefully those guys bring it. And, um, hopefully Frank Macho doesn't get knocked out again. Matt Schnell versus Tyson M is another one. I'm super looking forward to. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I think it was when, um, you know, I always go back and forth with my buddy Rhino on, on like on the flyweight division because I, I think the flyweight division is super exciting and he's like, I have no problem with the flyweight division. I love those guys. I just think they should fight at one thirty five. No, machnell in my opinion, is a prime example of this. Matchnell, um like submits black belts at 125. He goes up to 135, gets knocked the fuck out by Rob Font. And that's not like saying like Rob Font doesn't like knock other people out, like he's whatever, but he just looked like he didn't belong at that weight class. And Matt Schnell at 125, I think he's on like a four or five win streak, if I'm not mistaken. The guy is a killer, and um I love watching him fight. Conversely, Tyson Nam always puts on exciting fights. My man got like a 30 second knockout in his last fight. Clean as fuck dude. So this should be uh, an incredible fucking fight. Looking forward to it immensely. The other one I hope this is for this card. I think this got just barely announced and so I'm not sure if it's on this card or on another one, but it's tabology has it listed on this card so I'm going to go with it. Um, Julia Avila versus Ajar Eubanks. So excited. Both of them had opponents fall out. and They just kind of um, mash them up with each other. Um, not a Sajar Eubanks fan at all, not a fan of hers. Um, big, big fan of Julia Avila. Uh, her last fight, love it. I love everything about Julia Avila. Her debut was amazing. Her, um, when she got on the mic and shout out her, her, one of her, I don't know if it was her yoga teacher or just a friend of hers, or if it was one of her coaches anyway, there's someone who was battling cancer. And if you know me, you know that I'm a cancer survivor and that anyone that, um, goes through cancer, um, it, or talks about it anyway, I, I got to stand, like, no matter what. Like, it's just something that you, you never understand, like, until you go through it or, or have someone close to you go through it. Um, like, whenever, like, you hear someone is dealing with that either by proxy or, like, by themselves, um, you just have this instant connection. Like, um, a friend of mine that um, I work with, she has a daughter who has some health issues and I'm, you know, that's her personal business and I'm not going to say anything more about it, but as soon as like she, she, it's not cancer by the way, but, it, but it's a, it's a similar, like, you know, tough illness and in some ways worse if I'm honest. But as soon as she found out that I had cancer, we had this like instant bond and we just like looked at each other. Like we know like pain and hardship and um, like I feel closer to her than I feel like, to some people that i've known longer and it's it's weird it's so weird but it's that's what it does to you um so i fucking love julia avila she's a geologist like fuck dude julia avila needs to beat the brakes off of sejari eubanks um another fight that should be like a slobber knocker hopefully hopefully they don't gas out (laughs) ed herman versus mike rodriguez um yeah mike slow rodriguez one of the um worst nicknames in the sport although it's he spells it slo and i recently found out that people from san luis obispo say slow like like um it's part of san luis obispo county and they're like yeah slow county so i i wonder if he's actually from i mean i know he's from like massachusetts i think that's where he lives he lives and trains out of but i wonder if he's originally from there and that's like a um He's paying homage to that. I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because I like Mike Rodriguez. But bro, don't call yourself slow. (laughs) You should be fighting slow SP. (laughs) Anyway, dude, um, Ed Herman fucking brings it all the time. Still can't believe he fought at middleweight considering he does not look undersized for light heavyweight at all. Maybe he's also like put on pounds over the years. But Ed Herman is one of the toughest gingers alive another fight i hope is happening um alan patrick versus bobby green um as long as bobby green doesn't do that goddamn triple h thing at any point during the fight whether it's before or after or in between rounds like don't fucking do that during a pandemic dude like it's just gross which is nasty ass um, but other than that i love bobby green and so um i hope he beats the shit out of alan patrick oh he's a 15 two you know he's he's got a Austin awesome Baker. Bobby Green's fought a ton of people. I think he's just like finding his groove now. So super fucking happy for um for him to be getting this fight. I don't know if it's too quick. I mean, he didn't take a lot of damage in the Lando fight, but um, I just I I, I hope I hope he gets it done. Hope he gets it done. The next fight that I'm super super looking forward to, like I like I said, I can't believe I get. Both like two of my favorite fighters in the same card. Roxanne, the happy warrior, Mataferry, my favorite fighter of all time. Like if you don't know why Roxanne is my favorite fighter, if you don't know like how much she means to me, please go listen to episode sixteen of this podcast. If 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 anything, just the intro. Um, that's still one of my most listened to episodes to date. It's I think it's like in the top three. What well, used to be number one for a while, then. Um, one or two of it overtook. I can't remember if it's number two or number three now, but um, you know um, that episode has a lot of meaning to me because of um, I just told my story about how, why I love Roxanne. And, and she is, is just an awesome person and someone I always look forward to. And I'll always wide night. Anyone talking shit on Roxy, you can catch these fucking hands. Like, dude, that's it, dude. Don't. It's on site. If you're talking shit about Roxy, it's on site. Um, she's fighting Andrea, uh, KGB Lee, who everybody, um, loves. And, um, this is a rematch. They fought back in Invicta. So, um, I mean, my bias is super prevalent, but you know, I'm always going to stand behind Roxanne. Like, it doesn't matter again. These are not really my picks. Like I'm not breaking it down stylistically and saying, um, you know, who I think would win based off of that. These are just, I'm just sort of previewing the matchup. Roxanne obviously had a had a tough loss. I when I say tough loss, I mean tough in the fact that she just lost at all. Um, you know, it was a hard fight with Lauren Murphy and Lauren got the W. So um R- Roxanne was on the um receiving end of a, of a of a of a loss. What can you say? Um Andrea they the both last point was Lauren Murphy, I believe, actually. She she fought Lauren Murphy. I think right before everything got shut down. And a lot of people thought Andrea Lee won. Um i wasn't sure like i remember um i remember tweeting something out and i remember ray um darse smokes from Ray's Elmo soup had shared it um like I, t- I tweeted out like after the second round i was like i don't know how to score this fight man and it could be one and one or it could be uh, lauren could be zero and two like i was like it, it could be one and one or it could be um you know two oh for andrea and um uh, and then Ray had been like, yeah. And, and two of the judges thought Lauren won those rounds. Like just a, just a tough, um, situation for her. She actually, after that fight, like, I want to say like immediately after she, she did uh, an interview with Mitokayo Hugo, who juice from the I Fox juice podcast. Love, um, love their podcast with him and, um, fuck I'm blanking on her name. Her her tag is Fox with you. It's it's Arena. I wanna like I want to say Reen, but that's like what um Roxy calls Serena, like the Reen. Uh, I think it's Reena. Um anyway, he's co-host um on the iFox Juice podcast. Love her, love their dynamic. Go check out the interview. It's it's an old one, but you'll find it. Um it's an awesome way to to look forward to this card. And um super, super looking forward to it and now we come to the main event dude like i gotta say first of all like i will always be a fan of michelle watterson it's gonna it, it takes a lot would take a lot for me to not be a fan of hers but i mean junkie i think made an instagram post where um it was about dana giving a speech at the rnc um in favor of trump and michelle was just being like such a kiss ass and, and she was like oh um we have we're so happy to have such a great leader. And it's unclear whether that means Dana White leading the UFC or or if when she's a leader, she's referring to Trump. Either way, dude, not a fan. Not a fan of that. And of course, I want angela Hill to to smash her fucking face in. And that like people are like, oh, why would you um want someone to get smashed just because their beliefs are different from yours. Like, bro, if you support that, we do not have a difference in belief. Or opinion we have a difference in morality and that's it dude that's fucking it and I like I don't know how else to make that clear other than like this is what it is but I don't I won't get too political even though I don't really shy away from that stuff you guys know that I just I'm exhausted of uh, over it at this point I really am um that's it. It doesn't have actually doesn't have as much to do with it as, as people are making it seem like, just because I kind of go hard on my posts, but I just really want Angela Hill to win. It's not that I want quite Hyde to lose. Like I just really fucking want Angela Hill to win. Um, I love Angela Hill. Like I said, she's making history. I love that. I thought she won her last fight. Um, I don't throw around the term robbery very often because I think it's way too um overused in our sport, but my god, what would I consider that a robbery. It's just, fuck, man. Like, she she beat the shit out of Claudia. And um, the judges were on crack that night. Like, did we drug test the judges? Did we say, oh, yeah, let's give Claudia two rounds and Angela one. By the way, I'm high on crack. Bro. So dumb. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes not only the preview of these fights, but the end of my show. Um, I want to end by saying, uh, again, a big thanks to Rory uh, for, for making me a part of Threadhead Media and for 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 giving us a forum to have for, for this show beyond the Twitter forum. And uh, thank you for everyone who participated, obviously. Um, but I also wanted to say thank you to the people that reached out in my absence. Um, like I said, I wasn't actually having a tough time like that, that usually is the case. It was just I was really busy. But I appreciated everyone that reached out as if I did, as if I was having a tough time. It meant the world. Even if someone was just like, Hey man, haven't heard from you, you know, everything good. Um, And a special thanks to my homie, Phil, the MMA dude, I'm um, co-host of the Split Decision podcast. Um, he and I are very, uh, very close, and um, he texted me about something that I won't talk about here. But it just meant a lot that he came to me about that, and and that we're able to to talk to each other about uh, you know stuff going on in the world. And I value his friendship, so I want to give a special thanks to Phil, even though he did not send in a question this week. Um, obviously I, I missed his show last week as well in terms of the question. So it's not even, we always like, <laughs> if we ever miss, we're like, fuck, I missed, I missed sending a question. We always want to be engaging each other's shows, but that's, uh, goes that to show you, you know, what fans we are of each other's work. And, um, anyways, thank you. Thank you so much to Phil. And, um, and thank you to Rhino and thank you to all of my fellow content creators who, um, you know, keep me on my toes and make me want to be better. Um, I'm working on getting a video element to this podcast. I think it's going to be in the form of a Patreon because, um, you know, I just like podcasts going on YouTube. It just doesn't sit well with me necessarily. Like I know I'm missing out on a whole other demographic, but like, I just think like there's so much benefit to listening to podcasts on other platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and other audio based platforms that are like you can download them and like listen to them throughout your day and while you're driving and and not have to like sit down and dedicate time, which like that's what I love about podcasts because I get to be a part of your week. You know, like when Deja tells me, Oh, I have conversations with you that you don't hear like i'm always responding to you and stuff's going on or like julie from scotland she'll be like i put on while having a week lft or whatever like fuck that was such a bad Scottish dialect but um You know, and when Seth does the long threads, um, you know, MMA catfish, um, it just means so much to me, like the engagement that I receive from my listeners, you guys are the fucking bomb. So I'm going to try and do some sort of Patreon thing to have a video element to this podcast, because I now have it set up in my new place, like that's now kind of possible. So I want to take advantage of that and see what it's Give me some time you know it's going to take a while for me to really develop and get it right because I, I want to do it right and uh, you guys deserve that so um with that said you can follow me on social media at fwm underscore pod both twitter and instagram um you can send an email to the podcast fighting with myself pod at gmail.com if you want to you know get involved in any way. Or like I said, you can, that's another way to send in voice questions. If you want to send a clip of you, of yourself that way, and you don't want to download anchor, but if you download the anchor app, you can search fighting with myself and send an audio message very easily. And now you have another outlet for that, which is threadheadmedia.com slash forum slash fighting dash with dash myself. Wow. Wow. So thankful. So thankful. So um, thank you for anyone who got this far. Again, people don't always listen to the end, and it warms my heart, anyone who does. Without further ado, good night and good fights.